join us in prayer. Sweet Holy Spirit, sweet Heavenly Dove, we come into your presence today asking that we would join those first Christians in our enthusiasm, in our hopes, and in our prayers, that we might catch a glimpse of what you have in store for us this day and evermore. And may the words of our mouths and the meditations of all our hearts be truly acceptable in your sight. O God, our rock and our redeemer. And let the people say, Amen. Today, as we head into our potluck downstairs and our spring all-parish meeting, After this worship service, Amy and I wanted to offer a sermon together that tells the state of our shared ministry. That is, the ministry that all of us here together at United Parish share in this place. And so to ground ourselves in tradition, we chose this famous and favorite passage from the book of Acts that Ricardo just read. Some of you will remember it from our stewardship campaign four years ago when we created a brochure And all of these phrases you heard at the end of that passage were illustrated in photographs from this very congregation. These were the things you heard mentioned. Teaching and fellowship. Breaking bread and prayer. Eating together with glad and sincere hearts. Just being together and holding things in common. Giving to people in need. Praising God. Signs and wonders. And adding to their numbers. It's a great generalized description of some wonderful, beautiful things going on. It's, exciting. it's an exciting moment in the life of the early church, that time when Christianity went from being a big idea among a small, ragtag bunch of disciples to a real movement among a lot of people with some real clout and some real power. It says that after Peter's pe- pre- After Peter's preaching five times fast, 3,000 people signed up to join. Now that is a sermon. And that's a great new member someday as well. Three weeks ago, we heard about these events that preceded this right beforehand. Amid our children and youth's inspiring worship service, we remembered the day of Pentecost. We heard about that moment when the Holy Spirit descended with a rushing wind and tongues of fire, and the people from all different parts of the countryside and the region could understand one another despite their language and cultural differences, despite any enmity that existed among them. It was a great unifying force of the Holy Spirit bringing them all together. No more separation, no more division. And immediately afterwards, Peter starts a sermon by reminding them of the words of the prophet Joel. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Peter goes on to let them know that all this crazy good stuff is a continuation of the good news and the good work of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, who, he also reminds them, is the guy that many of them persecuted and had crucified by the state. He goes on to explain that all the stuff Joel was talking about, all the stuff going on right now in their midst, is the hope and promise of the Holy Spirit. 
That same spirit of life, that breath of life, many of us would argue, would, that breathed over the waters of creation in Genesis, that breathed into the lifeless dust of the Garden of Eden to make the first human being. This passage is exciting. It's new. It's life-giving. It makes me think of the start of other great social movements, like the revolution in this country, or Gandhi and his independence movement, or the civil rights movement, or even the Me Too movement. Ideas reach a tipping point among people, and things start to happen. Though it does make you wonder, when did they realize they needed a church council? Or pledges in a stewardship campaign? When did they decide to start the church school? Or have a nominating slate? When did they start hiring or calling pastors? When did they start needing professional musicians? And when did they set up a website? Or need a communications and office administrator or an accountant or a facilities manager? The scripture doesn't talk about all that. And sometimes we kind of like a biblical playbook on how you do all of these things effectively. Instead, the scripture just says, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And let's be clear, it was God working through the apostles. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Sometimes I wonder in our institutionalization and carrying out the business of the church, in our deliberating about our pledging amounts or trying to make a budget, if we perhaps lose sight of the signs and wonders that are going on among us. I also wonder, given our highly rational and empirical 21st century minds, if we've lost our capacity, our theological and spiritual imaginations, to be on the lookout and actually recognize these signs and wonders when they happen. Our our job is to help us to all try on some theological and spiritual eyeglasses and see things a little differently. For instance, maybe we haven't yet had a meal where we fed 5,000 people with two loaves and five fish, but this past year we did feed nearly 200 people a great Thanksgiving meal with more than enough volunteers and donated food, And many of those guests at our table, some of them our neighbors right here in Coolidge Corner, would not have had a Thanksgiving meal at all, or it may have helped them get through the week, or pulled them out of their loneliness just for a moment to find some community. And as far as I'm concerned, that's a good and wondrous sign. And maybe we haven't had 3,000 people sign up and flood our doors after one of our sermons, but we have 24 vibrant cool, faithful, involved people who joined us this past Palm Sunday, which in this day and age, in a largely secular culture that can often be hostile to religion, it's a pretty good and wondrous sign for a progressive Christian church. And perhaps we have not turned water into wine around here lately, but as I have reminded you before, when I first came here and we encouraged people to start thinking expansively and abundantly about our ministry, we dreamed up some things we couldn't yet afford. And amid our good and faithful stewardship around those numbers, the Holy Spirit sent us about $100,000 worth of free stuff, completely out of the blue. Namely, this Steinway piano right over here, the expensive television monitor out in the hallway, an industrial dishwasher downstairs, a smaller dishwasher in the kitchenette, and several family heirlooms. 
It's really actually quite stunning what can happen when you put out into the universe, or as some like to say, or just let God know what you really want or need. Now, you can call it what you want. I call it a sign and a wonder. And I want to also tell you that if we keep on doing good and faithful work, there are plenty of other resources and good stuff that will come our way from outside of this place if we're just willing to ask for it. In Peter's sermon, mentioned today in our scripture passage, he talks about the good news of Jesus Christ and the hope and promise of the Holy Spirit. So what is the good news of Jesus Christ for us in this progressive-leaning congregation? Good news. Growing up in my little progressive New England church, a small Protestant community in a sea of Catholicism, I never really heard the phrase good news. I didn't really know what it meant in the theological context, other than it probably had something to do with Jesus. And over time, I learned what good news meant. We talk about it here every Sunday when Kent or I invite you to rise up and hear it after we offer the prayer of confession. It's when we proclaim the infinite vastness of God's forgiveness and love. What good news indeed. And still, somehow, that term is often associated with a more conservative, evangelical expression of faith that many of us just aren't comfortable with. We don't want to be associated with the image of people coming door-to-door seeking new converts, and don't ever make the mistake of telling a door-to-door missionary that you're in seminary because then they'll come every day and will ask for you by name, and you'll get very good at ducking below the windowsill. Who remembers uh, the fall all-parish meeting and potluck we had in November downstairs? So at that luncheon, we talked about the good news in this place, We brainstormed together the ways that we, as progressive Christians, how we might share the good news of this place of God's love and forgiveness. And we believe that even though we may not go door to door, that much like the early church in the book of Acts, the way that we work together in community, this very community, this very movement that you and I are part of, that we are a part of, demonstrates good news for those around us. And we believe that when we actually get out of the way and let these good things happen among us, just maybe, just maybe, the Holy Spirit is actually working through our midst. Now, we may call it coincidence, we may call it good planning, we may call it synchronicity, but theologically, we call this the Holy Spirit working among us. So the question that Kent and I, that Susan, that our leaders and staff, the question that all of us need to ask is where do we believe God wants us to go? And how will we know if we are actually following God, if we're actually allowing for the breath of the Holy Spirit? But before that, we need to list a few things that didn't get into the printed pages today of what happened this past year. And I'm going to see if I can remember them all because the pages are in the recycling bin in the office. (laughs) But some of them are that we had, last year, we hosted a United Church of Gathering for hundreds of musicians that was innovative and helpful and rejuvenating to them. We had a summer worship and music camp for our children that then became a winter retreat that culminated in the worship service you saw three weeks ago where our children talked about the love of God they learned in this place and how it helps them address challenges like gun violence, queer rights, and environmental degradation. We had more people than we've ever had at our fall fellowship retreat deepening in their relationships with one another. Our communications team put those rainbow chairs out on the front lawn 
which we have guests and neighbors and passers-by taking rest in again and again. They also put out new signage out there to tell a little bit more about what goes on inside of this building. We also saw in Advent, our adult deepening team led a new devotional book among us that we wrote together. Our missions giving team had a Christmas time alternative gifts fair to augment these practices and organizations that we believe in. Our endowment team very skillfully adjusted our investments away from fossil fuels, tobacco, and firearms, and values that are not in line with our values. And we went on to go ahead and have a confirmation Sunday last week where we heard seven theologians share very powerfully and vulnerably, teenage theologians, about their faith and their commitment in this place. Anything you remember that I left out there? A few others. We're going to go on. (laughs) But many good things that we consider signs and wonders in this place. And here's the thing is that within that list of things, and I'll print it online so you can read all of them. They were in your stewardship letter as well. But within those were many personal signs and wonders going on. Too many actually to to tell about and some we don't even know of. So this brings us, in trying to do this good and faithful work, a place where we share God's love and forgiveness, where we tell people that all are welcome, where as one of our 20-somethings, that this place is more about grace than about guilt, in a place where we're willing to let a child lead us forward, in a place where we take care of our building needs with an 85-year-old retired Coast Guard engineer and a 30-something dance teacher in the absence of one of our employees, A place where lots of synchronicity and Holy Spirit work happens. Where do we believe God is leading us forward? And how will we know if we're actually following God? So, as Amy and I have prayed and thought about these things, these are some visionary priorities that have risen to the surface for us. One of our big priorities over this next year, remembering that our fiscal year runs July through June, is that we'd like for all of us to get better at knowing our neighbors right here in Coolidge Corner. I have often shared with you the very haunting warning, if your church burned to the ground, would anybody in the neighborhood care? And so my question is, how do we get outside of the walls of this beautiful fortress-like building more often and get to know our neighbors? So Kent and I are making a year-long goal of getting to know every business owner and manager in our retail neighborhood, as well as the local low-income housing places. We want to meet some of our other residential neighbors along the way, and we want you to join us in that. We want to take them care packages. We simply want them to know that we are their neighbor. We're open-minded, we're a spiritual resource, and we're friendly. And I want to tell you, fellow New Englanders, this is not proselytizing. (laughs) This is simply being good and friendly neighbors. I know it's radical for some of us. I know it's scary. I know it feels risky. But I believe it's important work for us to do. This is about sharing the good news of this place for people who need to know it exists, of what is going on right here, about a place where we learn to be our most authentic God-given selves. It's a sort of friendly, soft marketing. And as we look at the often articulated five areas of our shared ministry in this congregation, here's where we feel that God might be leading us. So in our exalting in worship, 
what we do right here in this sanctuary, we want to continue to this goal of bringing more visual arts into our space, more color into the sanctuary, not just the Easter and Pentecost streamers, which Christy Wenveen and Alicia Shu made for us and we've seen waving around in this space, but perhaps some banners or some art installations like this congregation had before. We also wonder what it would be like to take our worship outside occasionally, onto the front lawn, or perhaps like some of our colleagues do, to offer ashes on Ash Wednesday to people who pass by on the sidewalk. In our deepening in Christian faith, we'd like to integrate our children and youth Christian education and our music ministry into a more collaborative partnership. Our adult deepening team would like to see more people dig in and try a book study or a spiritual practice group and even empower some people to start their own book groups or Bible studies. We want to offer a course on faithful finances, helping all of us to learn to be debt-free and generous and to manage for our future as well as our present. In our gathering and community, which is going wonderfully well, we are a community that likes to connect, that likes to spend time together, that likes to be in conversation. We'll be doing that in a few minutes. What we'd like to see is more affinity groups, like our 2030s vision group for young adults, which continues to be vibrant and strong, as well as our growing grandparents group, which is thinking of changing their name so it's not so grandparent-specific. But we also have people who are wanting to start, uh, who have been reinvigorating already, our youth group with our teens and tweens. And we currently have a group of young parents with young children asking the question, how is our faith relevant to our parenting? And how can we be spiritual teachers both at home and in church? There are other affinity groups that may want to start up. And in our stretching into justice, we want to continue to ask what it means to work more for justice and not just for charity to challenge systemic problems and not just offer temporary aid. Following up on the effective work of our Ending Mass Incarceration Group, we would like to join with the Greater Boston Interfaith Organization, to join a larger consortium of houses of faith in this area who have learned to leverage their power with the governor, the mayor, the attorney general, the speaker of the house, and many others. These are things on environmental issues, gentrification and income inequality, health care costs, gun violence, and so much more. Also, with one of our new members who is a chef, we are beginning to see if we could start a monthly community meal for low-income elders, and really for people of all ages. We want to do this in our neighborhood, providing a sense of community for people who need it, and addressing some of Brookline's 13% poverty rate. And in stewarding our resources, this year we have most people giving to steward, more people giving to stewardship than we've had in my time here and for several years, and this is good news. We are also down below in the, in the meeting going to be proposing again a deficit budget. Now for several years now we've had deficit budgets proposed and we've ended up with either surpluses or as with the current year, probably breaking even. But this may not last forever, and so I would like us to have some long-range financial planning to assess our staffing, our programming, our growth opportunities, our resources from the outside and the inside so that we can sustain our growth. And perhaps some of you have good minds to help with this. I keep saying I'd like someone else to wake up at 3 or 5 in the morning with me to think about this together. <laughs> and our Buildings and Grounds team is also working on a capital plan. What do we need to do to take care of this grand old building in our property, which is eventually going to lead to a capital campaign of a few million dollars, 
which will most likely have environmental sustainability and handicap accessibility at the heart of it. These are just some of the dreams and visions we've caught as we've listened to you, as we've listened to God, as we've prayed, and we've responded to this moment in our congregation's life. We welcome hearing your dreams, your hopes, your prayers, and collectively bringing them to reality. So in a few moments, we're going to do as churches and Christians have done since at least the first century and the book of Acts. We're going to gather downstairs for fellowship, for the breaking of bread, for prayer. Everyone here is welcome to join us for a little bit or for the whole time. And we hope you will come. And together, we're going to remember how, like the early church, we devote ourselves to following the apostles' teaching. We will observe together and be filled with awe at the many wonders and signs happening among us. We will see once again how we are dreaming together about our future. We will vote on a proposed budget, which is a scheme of organized generosity. It's some, if not everything, that we do hold in common. We will recommit ourselves to sharing with those in need, And amidst it all, how could we not be praising God and enjoying each other's favor? And we believe that if we continue in this same vein, just as the early church did, with glad and generous hearts, God will continue to add to our numbers those who need some saving. This is the promise for us and for our children, for those who are near, and for those who are far off. This is our mission. This is our movement. This is what you and I are called to do together. Come on, let's go together boldly, confidently, gratefully into God's work for us. And let the people say, Amen.